this show is not for kids. Just because we have anxiety doesn't mean we have degrees in psychology or counseling. Everything you hear is purely opinion-based. If you are suffering from any chronic mental illness, we strongly urge you to seek professional help. And hey, thanks for listening. good intro wow yeah wow indeed so uh that's our new intro song and it sounds amazing yeah it's uh, great um it's by uh written and sung by taylor farina um michael found her on youtube and uh she's got some pretty good musical skills yeah so go check her out yeah her youtube channel is uh just her name taylor like t t a y l o r farina f a-R-I-N-A. I'm Michael, your not-so-anxious host. And I'm Rihanna, your insert thing here, other host. And this is a podcast for the era of anxiety. Today, Rihanna and I will be talking with our guest, Matt, about gender dysphoria, what it's like living with anxiety as a trans person, and why you shouldn't be toxic. Welcome, Matt. Uh, how, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. So. We're glad that we could get you on and work around each other's schedules and figure this out. Um, so let's not waste any time and jump on into some of these questions that we have for you. Um, Rihanna, do you want to go ahead? I just want to want to say, like, the way you wrote these questions sounds like like fantasy. Oh, fantasy! I think you're too much into your DM like thing. I'm too into my DM fantasy, right? Because your first question. And this is for you, Matt. Um, what are some of the diagnoses, diagnoses, diagnoses? Yeah, I think that's the right word. Um, whichever have you had bestowed onto you? <laughs> yeah, I do like the phrasing of that question. It's very formal. It's very <laughs> uh, formal. So the diagnoses I have had bestowed upon me. Um, so I have generalized anxiety disorder, uh, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and gender, I, gender, it used to be called gender identity disorder, but they just recently changed it to just gender dysphoria. Can you uh, explain gender dysphoria for us in your own words? Okay. Um, so gender dysphoria is really interesting. So it's, basically a branch off of anxiety so some people have like body dysmorphia and that anxiety that's specifically pointed towards the way that you view your own body well gender dysphoria or just dysphoria is kind of anxiety pointed towards your portrayal of yourself um so that can be how other people perceive you or how you perceive yourself it can be something physical or it can be something outwardly like uh, being misgendered can be 
very dysphoric for someone. Um, you're walking down the aisle at the grocery store and somebody says, uh, hello, ma'am, that it, you're being misgendered. That would be very dysphoric for someone. Uh, or it could just be uh, the way that their voice sounds or how wide their hips are. There's a lot of things that could uh, be dysphoric for someone. And that would trigger a dysphoric episode if it's an ex- extreme case. Is that the kind of thing that generally causes panic or anxiety for you? Or is that just like a, a small part of your diagnoses? Um, it's a small part for me. Um, so the way that it works right now in, uh, in America is that you have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria in order to be allowed to continue with your transition. So in order for a trans person to be able to go to uh, a surgeon to have a surgery, transitional surgery, whether that be surgery or bottom surgery or what have you, or to go to uh, get hormones, you would have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Um, But not all trans people experience dysphoria, so that's the problem. Um, In my case, I have generalized anxiety on top of my dysphoria, so really I'm just anxious about everything. So having gender dysphoria also diagnosed to me uh, is kind of just a fluke. Um, My dysphoria is not nearly as bad as it used to be, and it's definitely not one of my most uh, anxiety-inducing things in my life. Right. What would you say, where does your, where does most of your anxiety stem from, if you're comfortable sharing that? Most of my anxiety comes from uh, trauma-related issues. One of, okay, so I said that I have post-traumatic stress disorder. Technically, I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a new uh, diagnosis that they just added to the um, statistical manual or whatever it's called. Yeah, I was actually um, about to ask you about that because I've I've read about it recently and there's there's not a whole lot about it. Yeah, there's not really much to the distinction between the two. So literally, just put the word complex in front of post traumatic stress disorder, yeah. and that's basically what it is. It's just PTSD, but they made it more complicated than it needed to be. So basically the difference between the two is that they're implying that post-traumatic stress disorder is kind of a one-time trauma, like you're in and you're out and you're traumatized for life, Uh, whereas complex post-traumatic stress disorder can either be multiple traumas or one or several traumas that took over an extended period of time. So I have multiple traumas, but I also have uh, one of my traumas took over the course of several years. So I got that nice little complex added to my PTSD. Um, hmm. It's like a little gold star next to my <laughs> mental health. Yeah. Here you go. You're special. Right. So a lot of my anxieties come from trauma-related issues. 
Um, for example, one of my traumas was that I was hit by a truck when I was a kid. So a lot of my anxiety is vehicle related. Ah. Um, one of my traumas is that I was molested by my older brother. So there's a lot of uh, anxieties going on there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Abandonment issues, trust issues, you know. So are you regularly taking med- medication for for any of these illnesses? I don't like the word regularly because I forget to take my medicine very often. Same. I'm supposed to be taking um, Pristique, 100 milligrams a day, and uh, Hydroxazine as needed. And I oftentimes forget to take the Pristique, but I take the Hydroxazine as needed. Weren't you prescribed Hydroxazine at one point, Michael? I feel like I was. I feel like I was. I think I after think... an emergency room trip, maybe. Yeah. But you, I... you know, you didn't really. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I had to. I had to take it uh, any like for anything too specific. I don't believe. Then again, you're not really a medicine guy. Yeah, I'm also not very, very medicine friendly. <laughs> um, I feel that. No, I, I always have to remind Rihanna to take her medication at night, or. Um, She'll she'll come in the room and ask me if she's taken it already. I'm like I don't know, I, I don't think you have. I haven't seen you take it. Yeah, I forget. It's either I forget or I think I've taken too many. <laughs> I feel that a lot of the times I'll be like, "Did I take that?" And then I'm too afraid to take it because I don't remember if I already Same. took it. Same. <laughs> It'd be like that though. It'd be like that. Now, do you think being sexually assaulted has affected your mental health as an adult? So, uh. When you sent this to me, that was honestly my favorite question uh, because I don't really have an answer to it. It all started when I was very young. I mean, I was 13 when I finally came out about it and it stopped. Um, So I didn't have any disorders really when it started. So I have no way of knowing how it's affecting my disorders or if it is just kind of ground zero for it all. Right. And you... Uh, see a therapist at all? I do see a therapist. I actually saw my new therapist yesterday. Oh, that's exciting. Do you like your new therapist? I don't know how I feel about her. Her laugh is kind of creepy, and she's very white suburban mom, so we'll see how this goes. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Hopefully it works out for you. Yeah. Sometimes the the cover doesn't match the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) That's a horrible metaphor. Oh, my last therapist quit. That's why I had to see a new one. Yeah. I know. I'm sure. I've I've met a few therapists in my life, and they uh, they vary for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to see a new therapist today, but um, oh no, <laughs> through. Yeah, I scheduled the appointment for like eight fifteen, like thinking I could get up that early and it be okay. Well, it wasn't. I ended up like waking up late. Was gonna get there late. So on the way there, I turned around and was like, I'm just not going to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So I have to call them and do a whole apology tour and be like, hey, I'm really sorry. I really need to reschedule, though. Tell them what you did after you uh, after you left the after I turned around after you turned around. (laughs) I went and got coffee and food from Starbucks. And then I went into the Goodwill parking lot, realized it was closed. So I sat there for 20 minutes eating my egg bites and drinking my coffee, contemplating how my life was going. 
Honestly, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> and then I came home and woke Michael up and he said, that was quick. How did it go? And I said, mm, well, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to the medication, the medication thing. Um, do you experience any side effects from anything you've, you've taken in the past or anything you currently take? Oh, God. I have taken so many different medications. And some of them I had to stop taking, not because of bad side effects, but because they didn't do anything at all. And then I have had them that had horrible side effects. Um, the best medication I was taking was Effexor. It did wonders for me, but had horrible, horrible withdrawal symptoms. Um, I feel that that's not a side effect, but I wanted to talk about it. Um, the worst side effects that I've ever experienced was I was taking a Prezosin for nightmares. It is a, uh, blood pressure medication and it's supposed to lower your heart rate so that you don't get worked up enough to have nightmares and it helped but it also made me hallucinate when i woke up oh no yeah square tiles were all swirly i went to walmart and the service desk was squiggly like things were moving and they shouldn't be moving and then i was taking paxil at the same time Mm. and it fried my brain. I still suffer from memory loss because Paxil completely destroyed me. Yeah, I have an ongoing battle with Paxil. I can I can kind of relate to that. I've been taking Paxil for God, how long? Longer than I've known you. Right? It's been at least like nine or ten years by now. I like switched from Prozac to Paxil and back to Prozac and had a really bad reaction and the switch back to Paxil and I just can't seem it's not. I guess I'm scared to get off of Paxil because of the withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. But Paxil has worked for me. Like, I don't have any negative side effects on the daily except for withdrawals. So, like, if I forget to take it or something or if I run out of a prescription and have to wait a little bit, then it gets really bad really fast. But other yeah. than that, I think Paxil's well, worked good. for me. Yeah, yeah, and not every medication is going to work for every person. Everyone's yeah. body chemistry is different, and that's why we have to go through all these medication trial and errors, which sucks, but once you find that kind of miracle medicine for you, then it's, like, the best thing ever. <laughs> miracle being yeah. quoted and uh, unquoted. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, Effexor no- was that miracle medicine for me, um, but the problem was that my body kept adapting to it, so I had to up the... Uh, the dosage and then I reached the legal limit so they couldn't give it to me anymore. Ah. Right. See, so that's why I'm taking Prestique because it's like Effexor's cousin. Gotcha. Yeah. See, I don't understand why people don't really like not everybody, but doctors don't really explain to you how bad withdrawal symptoms could be if you decide to stop taking it or it's not working for you or something like that. Whenever you switch to something else um, you still experience those withdrawal, withdrawal syndrome or <laughs> symptoms, not syndromes, while you're adjusting to a new medication. 
Well, I guess you could say that I was lucky because my doctors definitely told me about the withdrawal issues with Effexor, but also I have been told that Effexor is one of the worst medications when it comes to withdrawals, and it really was horrible. I was in the happiest place I have ever been. I was in Canada. I was in uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario, the happiest place I could have been in, and I was just bawling my eyes out for no reason because I had stopped taking my medication because uh, you have to take it with food in the morning, and since we were on vacation, there was no guarantee when we were going to eat breakfast, yeah. so I would constantly forget to take my medication. So we're in Niagara Falls. And I'm just bawling my eyes out because the problem with Effexor is it's kind of like it builds a wall around you and protects you from all of that stress and anxiety. But then as soon as you stop taking it, the walls crumble and everything that you would have felt over the course of the time that you were taking it attacks you all at once. So I'm just being pounded by all of these negative feelings at one time. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. Fortunately, it only lasted the one day so I was able to enjoy my time at Niagara Falls but that was just an example of how bad the withdrawal symptoms were yeah I guess let's do the Yahoo the Yahoo and now it's time for a short break This first Yahoo answer comes from a, an anonymous user. Most of these are anonymous users because I feel like uh, people who are asking these particular questions aren't aren't too keen of you know exposing themselves. I mean, who really wants to be tracked down back to Yahoo Answers though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this first question is, um, what do I do if I'm alone and I start choking? Uh, I would assume, <laughs> I would assume uh, that you would just like do a Heimlich maneuver on yourself, but don't they yeah. tell you to like push your diaphragm Smack on the, the back, back of, of your chair? head or something? Yeah. <laughs> but my my like head cannon for that situation is just like you're just like beating on the back of your head, you know, <laughs> just uh, just wailing on yourself, trying trying to unchoke yourself. But I think you're supposed to like bend over a like bend yourself over a chair and like try to try to like force it out of you with your with your oh diaphragm. use the use the back of the chair to push against your diaphragm yeah but plot twist there are no chairs i've never thought about i've never like my anxiety even though mine's like health related has never like for some reason never drifted that far i've never thought about i wonder what would happen if i started choking and michael wasn't home See, this is where, like, the generalized anxiety comes in because this is exactly what I'm thinking about constantly. Right. Constantly thinking about all the bad things that could happen. Oh, I'm going to choke on this. Right. I've only choked around people, and it was not helpful to have people around me to begin with. (laughs) So uh, it was back in high school when I was was at, at lunch. I wouldn't, I don't think it's called a period anymore, but lunch break and i think it's just called lunchtime lunchtime (laughs) i was in a crowd of people and i was i was hanging out with those uh with those scene kids and we were just having a good time eating some lunch and i was like hey can i have a can i have the a a bite of that burger there 
And my, my friend was like, yeah, you can, you know, go ahead and take a bite. Let, I want to say that this was like half of a burger. And you know, then them uh, lunchtime burgers are like super, super dry with like no toppings. So oh yeah, why I, did you take half well, of a burger? In theory, I was supposed to take a bite. I know, but, but your bite was apparently half of a burger. Uh, he just unhinged his jaw. Yeah, basically, I just unhinged like a, I unhinged my slimy maw like a, like a anaconda or something like that, and just like scarfed this whole half a burger in one bite, just shoved it in there, and I was like, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should um try to try to like chew this up a little bit and get it a little bit smaller. That didn't work. There's too much food in my mouth. When once you've already like put too much food in your mouth, there's no going back. You either like <laughs> you can spit it out. You could well, you can, but when there's not a whole lot of a whole lot of places to spit a wad of chewed hamburger meat up <laughs> out into or onto rather, uh you're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> I but think- I, I started to swallow and I think you just panicked. Yeah, I panicked. And uh, as I was swallowing, my mouth was super dry because of the dry, you know, school lunch meat. And as it was going down, it got stopped. And uh, I started panicking. I started looking around at my friends and they uh, they were just having their casual conversation. And I'm over here. I'm over here like. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm choking over here. Like, come on. <laughs> and i like put my hands to my throat to like visualize the choking and then right then they noticed that i something wasn't right and they're like are you okay and i'm like (laughs) so they like start freaking out for a second and then it gently goes down oh i wouldn't say gently but it like cruises down my 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 throat it started to dissolve. Yeah, all you. that. I, it started to rehydrate inside of my throat. That's um, <laughs> and um, it subsided. Luckily, that wasn't the last days of Michael on this earth, and just a, a lucky, a lucky burger, a little, a little touch of death, I guess. I don't think I've ever choked on something that severely. It's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. <laughs> I've never choked on solid food, but I have like taken a drink of something and it goes down the wrong tube, and then you're like, "Oh, I do that all the time." I do that all the time. Yes, because I just inhale my drinks. Yeah, you take a sip, and you know, you breathe at the same time as the as the sip, and it turns into a a drowning situation. But you're no you're nowhere near water. (laughs) Rihanna, you want to go ahead with the next Yahoo? Okay. I guess this is anonymous because Michael didn't put... I'd say uh, 99% of these are anonymous. Well, okay. Well, fuck it. Yeah. They're all from Yahoo Answers, whatever. So this one says, why is the dating pool so small for people with mental health issues? I suffer from bipolar, psychosis, and anxiety disorder. I've had guys who turned me down after I told them about my conditions, and one even dumped me after I told him about it. This is extremely unfair. Is it my fault that I have these conditions? I deserve love too. I can't relate to this. I don't know. I I guess in a way I can. Like I've had my my like actually I don't know that. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm getting at is, is I've never had someone outrightly say, We can't be together because of your mental illness. 
but I'm sure it yeah. sometimes played a part just because I got a crazy gene. You got them crazy gene. I can't personally relate because just about everybody I know has mental health issues. Right. So for someone to be like, I can't date you because you have mental health issues would be very hypocritical. Um, but the thing that I can say is that if this is a girl that posted that, there's a huge stigma against girls with bipolar disorder. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ayo! Like, if you're a guy with bipolar disorder, that just makes you angry, which is like half of... Half, half of the male population? <laughs> yeah, half of the male population. No, I completely well, agree well, with then, that. Well, then, that's so bad like people nobody wants to be your friend because you're a bipolar woman how dare you have emotions right and i'm bipolar mine's not like as a severe situation like i have manic episodes but my manic episodes i guess aren't your stereotypical like getting angry and upset and like flipping on someone it's usually me in on myself or out on yourself or out on being extremely extroverted yeah it's either i'm really fucking sad or i'm really happy back to what you were saying that um i agree that there is like a, a very like impactful stigma about um women with uh bipolar disorders my little sister also has a bipolar disorder and um a lot of the a lot of the guys that i i've seen her go through are mainly guys who also have you know something not quite right in the brain as well. I don't want to like uh, say exactly what they have or anything like that because I don't even know. Like they may not have anything at all. They might just be dicks and they don't, don't they don't understand. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's mainly just men making that that a stigma like oh they have a mental illness we can't be with them because um quote unquote they're crazy and that yeah. it's the word that people throw around and I, I can't go on facebook without seeing people post about if she's crazy and like she's got a fat ass or big titties or something like that you know stay away it, that just like propagates the the stigma and it needs to be kind of cleared up, I believe, that it's not necessarily yeah. bad. It's not bad to have a mental illness. It's it's you have to be more understanding and learn about the illness rather than just being like, oh, she's crazy or oh, they're crazy. Uh, and just, you know, swiping it off to the next one or uh, swiping left. I think it's tender terms. I don't know. <laughs> Never had tender. Yeah. I don't know. I'm dyslexic. I can't tell which way's left. Ditto. <laughs> wow. This next, uh, well, this last Yahoo question we have, or Yahoo answer, is uh, why do people like me tell the whole world about their mental illness? There's someone I know who sometimes likes to post on Instagram and their Facebook about her struggle with depression. Honestly, I have been bipolar diagnosed for eight years and I would never do such a thing. The one thing, uh, the ones who are really struggling struggle in silence and i feel like she doesn't she does it for attention she always gets a lot of sympathetic comments for people or from people and probably enjoys it so this i'm gonna just call this a load of horse shit and uh -oh. i i used to think this way i used to think that it was not okay and i guess since i've grown up and like realized that hey everybody's got something like it's okay to like have a mental illness but like 
I used to think that like, why would you post all your stuff on Facebook or social media or blah, 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 blah. But sometimes they're like, that's all people have. And you can't get like, don't get angry or upset with someone because they're posting all these things on Facebook. Because I mean, yeah, it, it could be a cry for attention, but maybe that cry for attention is what they need. And I don't understand how a post like that is going to make you that upset. First of all, to post on Yahoo Answers without advice for it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but- like, there are people who can't afford therapy. There are people who don't have any access to mental health assistance. And if that's the case, then let them let them vent online. Like, let them do their social media thing. If let you don't them like eat it, cake. Right. Like, if you don't like it, just scroll past it. Just ignore it. You know you can turn off notifications on Facebook now. Unfollow. I, I, can't, I can't stand seeing people post about their dang mental illness. I'm going to unfollow them. What kind of thought process is that? I never really understood that. Uh, there would be times when somebody I really didn't like would talk about their mental health issues, and I'd just kind of be really annoyed because I didn't like them in the first place, <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. I'm one of those people that just love talking about myself. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? Don't we all? Right? Um, so I'll tell anybody who listens, yeah, I've got all this trauma. Yeah, this is what's wrong with me. This, this, and the other thing. And I also kind of like the shock factor of it. I used to be a Marilyn Manson fan, still kind of am. Uh, so I was really into that shock rock thing. Uh, and I love to see the look on people's faces when I say, oh, so this happened to me. And they're just like, why are you still alive? Yeah, that's the face that I want. It gives me life. Right. Suck life out of their their responses. But I used to I honestly used to think the same way too until I started learning more about mental illnesses. Not only through through Rihanna, but through my family as like my siblings got older, as my mother got older, as my father got older. My dad doesn't really have any mental disorders as far as I know. I don't know. I, I'm sure he'll he'll say absolutely not. Um <laughs> But I don't know. Seeing them go through it, they all do the same thing. Like we, we've all suffered in silence growing up. And the fact that people think that they should suffer in silence is, in my opinion, very unhealthy. Well, not only that, that's like an antiquated thing. Like it, it's it's an antiquated, not a, what would you call that? Uh, I don't know, manners. I don't know, whatever, like, don't talk about your personal problems. Don't burden everyone with your mental health oh, issues. Oh, yeah, the very, the old customs. Right. Yeah. Don't don't bother people with personal problems. And there's the whole um, man up thing. Oh, we God. go back to the toxic masculinity. Don't talk about your problems. Man up. Deal with it. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big one everyone, everyone kind of feels. And that's what sucks with, like, men's mental health as well is that you know it it it's both frowned upon in in the genders period because people who who can like get up in the middle or at the beginning of the day and do their daily things do their chores do do their work go to work every day and you know come home and don't have anything wrong with them they don't have to they don't have to drink they don't have to they don't have to smoke. They don't have to take any medications or anything like that. That just blows my mind. And those are the people that are telling the people who have mental illnesses that they should not be exposing themselves or exposing their 
their disorders to other people because who knows maybe they suffer in silence as well and they believe that that's you know that's their mindset or they legitimately think that you know they're made up and they're just used to get attention from the internet if you're sad just don't be yeah we need to we we need old customs to die hard <laughs> well it's it's not only that it's about unlearning what we've all been taught unlearn the past we're in an era of unlearning essentially yeah i think that's like the whole millennial spiel is to unlearn things right definitely i think that just about covers it for this episode um we really appreciate you coming on matt uh do you have anything to say to the people out <laughs> who uh out in the world who also have mental disorders any any words of wisdom um, or advice well i particularly want to take a moment to uh talk to the listeners about uh dysphoria i did mention that not all trans people experience dysphoria and that's like a really big debate in the trans community whether or not you're really trans are you trans enough do you experience dysphoria and I just really want to say to anybody that's listening that if you don't experience dysphoria, but you identify as trans, you're still valid. You are just as trans as you say you are. You are allowed to be who you are. There is no such thing as being trans enough. And you can't let anyone tell you how your transition should happen or if it should happen. It's all up to you. Hey, those are some good words. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us about your, your, your brain problems. And we'd be happy to have you on some other time to talk more. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Hey, if you listen to this show, go check out our iTunes and give us a good review. It would mean the world to us. The more reviews we have, the better chances people will discover our podcast and subsequently talk about their bowel movements. We don't do advertising for this show. Anything that we do is by word of mouth. So make sure you tell your friends, your family, your dogs even, and maybe your cats. I don't know. I hear they can be very temperamental. This episode was produced by Michael Harkins. Our intro song was written and performed by Taylor Farina. You can subscribe to our mailing list and find more information on the podcast at www.anxioushumor.com. If you'd like to talk with us about your darkest fears and anxieties, or even just chat with us about how you might cope, give us a call at 864-719-2205.